1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey,
0: Megan. How are you?
1: Good. Have you driven anywhere today?
0: Yes. I drove carpool this morning for school.
1: Okay, so I have not actually been in my car yet today, but I have a feeling that, like I know as soon as we're done here, I'm going to have to go get in my car, and I just have a feeling that what we're talking about is going to be top of mind, and I'm going to notice all kinds of things I hate <laughs> about my car because today we are talking about cars. And I think this is so funny because for most moms, the car is just a big part of our lives. Like I know there's definitely probably listeners who are, are able to walk a lot because they live in a more dense urban area, or maybe they're really into using their bicycles or whatever. I think that's all awesome. But for most of us, we spend a lot of time schlepping our kids around and ourselves around and school pickup and uh, all that stuff, right? So, so our car is really important, but we have not done an episode of specifically about our cars since 2017, and that was really more about family vehicles. And since it's a Sunday, and this is a more than mom topic, we're really just going to kind of talk about I don't know our personal relationship with vehicles and our cars, mm-hmm. and like what features we love, and if, if we like to car shop, and I don't, all those I,
0: things. I noticed when I was like peeking at the outline you prepared that there was nary a mention of car seats or boosters. And I laughed. I didn't put a singular one in there (laughs) because also you and I are past. Actually, I have one kid still in just like the butt booster, but really like if she rides without it, it's fine. Um, But otherwise I am out of that and you've been out of it for a long time. But so many of our listeners are like, you know, it's such a, it's such a decision. Part of the decision tree is like where to put the different car seats forward facing, back facing, like graduate to a booster. So Listeners, you will find none of that here today. This is all about us. No,
1: this is all about us. And this is and, and if you're in this phase right now where like, because I remember definitely those decisions about like, can I cram three car seats in the backseat of this car versus that car? Or like, what is the arrangement of car seats going to be? Which one should go in the way back? Like yes. all of those decisions um, loom so heavily on a mom's mind, but they're not fun. Like those aren't really fun decisions. They no. take away from the car you might really want to drive. Totally. So this is all, if if you're still in that phase, this is just fantasy time for you. If you, mm. if you can't actually purchase a car without going through those mental gymnastics, um, you will be out of that phase eventually. And even if you're still in it, you, you can still be thinking about these things because I will say, you know, I think about what I would like in a car pretty often, but that doesn't always mean I'm in the position to purchase that car for multitude of reasons. Right. 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 Yeah. So the last time we talked about cars was 2017, and I was driving a brand new leased Jeep Cherokee. Um, it was the only lease I ever had, I have ever had. Um, it was the only brand new car I've ever picked out just for myself. Almost every other car I've ever driven has been like a hand me down, or you know, someone in my family or a close friend had it, and I bought it from them. Like it always was, like the car that just got the job done. Yeah. And I was really just on this car high because I was pretty newly divorced and one of the very first things I did was went out and leased myself a car and it had like the heated steering wheel and the automatic everything and the sunroof. And I'm just going to look back at that phase of my life and call it like my newly divorced lady pre midlife crisis car. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of practical considerations too. And that I realized at the time I was working out of the home, two different jobs. And it was like, I literally do not have the ability for a car to not work. Um, Mm -hmm it really had to. So anyway, that was that, but the lease was up a year ago, last October. Um, so October of 2019. Yep. And when that lease was up, I just couldn't bring myself to either buy it out or to lease something new. I just couldn't do it. Like it wasn't, even though I was super stoked about that car when I first got it, it wasn't valuable enough to me to continue shelling out money every month. Um, on that car. So I ended up returning it and then bought a 2005 Subaru. Um, it's so very different, right? It's a Forester. It's like a little grocery getter. There's lots I love
0: about it, but it's I old. Love it. I've never heard that term, a grocery getter. I love oh, that. Really? Okay. So
1: no. it's like, yeah, it's a wagon and there's lots of things I love about my wagon. Um, it was so practical for like getting my kayaks on top. Cause it's not that tall and right. just lots of stuff. Oh, I love the windows. The window there. There's not a. There's nary a blind spot in this car. It is like all glass in the back, Mm -hmm. which is a little unnerving sometimes. It feels like I left something open. I'm always Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, is the hatchback open? But it's not. It's just really easy to drive. So, anyway, that car was never meant to be like a long term thing. I bought it cash. I've been driving it for 18 months. It's done the job. I got it to do, but it's showing its wear. It really needs work. Like pretty considerably expensive work for the value of the car and i guess i'm just ready to start dreaming about something new now even if i probably won't buy anything for a couple months but maybe i will maybe the perfect thing will come along and i'm just ready to start thinking about what i want so sarah what about you where are you at and like the yeah. car like i don't know compared to 2017 and what you're driving and how you feel about it
0: Well, first of all, I have to comment on your like, I love the way you put that into like the story of Megan, because it's so true that the things not just cars, but even you could make that argument for like the purse or diaper bag you carry or the home you live in, like there are things that are perfect For right now, for a variety of reasons that then you season out of and then you start to fantasize about the next thing. And I don't know. I just feel like there was a lot in there that was not just about cars. So I enjoyed that. Also, my high school boyfriend drove a Subaru wagon. I mean, that car would have been this was in the 90s, but his car was way older. So like an 80s Subaru wagon. So I have spent a lot of time in those and I loved it. And I, I know they last forever and they're great in snow, right?
1: They are. I mean, it's it's been a great little car. I have a long winding driveway that is, is infrequently shoveled and I've made it through two winters and have never had a problem getting out of my driveway. Like I just gun it and fly the over best. the snow. <laughs> and I, I it's been fine. It's been great. Yeah, they handle really well. And I will also say there's some cool, it's like a cool factor because the 2005 was really a very boxy year. Okay. Um, it was not like, it wasn't boxy like the eighties, but it's still, it's still like a squarish car. And I really Mm -hmm. like that look. And I get weird cachet driving that car around. Like people will, because now the Forester looks completely different. The Forester Mm -hmm. really looks more like an SUV, like a, like a Mm -hmm. mini crossover SUV now. Um, but mine truly looks like a wagon. And I've been in multiple places where people are like, Hey, nice Subaru or Hey, nice Forester. And it's like, (laughs) it gives me a little bit of cool factor, even though it's got like rust on it. I mean, it's yeah. not a nice car, um,
0: Aren't Subaru but just, people yeah. known for kind of being really into Subarus or did I make yes. that up? No, yeah. I think
1: that's true. Yes. Yeah, Subaru people love Subarus. And if you're around like other Subaru people and, and like I was in a group actually um, not too long ago where there was like three Subaru people there, which is weird because I haven't been in that many groups since, you know, COVID. So the fact that there was like, A, I was in a group at all, but B, they, there happened to be three Subaru people in it was unusual and, and fun. But yes, people really are really, fun. it's like being a part of a club. and a lot of cars are like that. Like the Jeeps are like that. I mean, there's just, yes, there's like a club mentality to it. Um, and I don't really feel like I'm truly in the club, but it's kind of fun to just be like an honorary member for now.
0: Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, in I am driving the same car that I was in 2017. Um, yeah, so I have a Toyota Sienna minivan. I'm actually on my second Toyota Sienna minivan, and the first one we traded in after not very long and so this one i've had it's six years old now. the first one we had got when I was pregnant with Violet, so two thousand and twelve and we just got a really good trade in opportunity that kind of fell into our laps through the Toyota dealership, and it had a little the the first one had some body damage that I was going to have to get fixed because you know you and I we do the scrapey scrapey in a parking lot against a pole. <laughs> yes, you and I are yes. have the same affliction. So it had some. Yes. What do we call it? Like poor poor, low stakes driving? Space, yeah. Poor low stakes <laughs> driving. Exactly. Yes. Um. So anyway, that's not a relevant story, except that the first Toyota Sienna, we traded in sooner than we had planned to because we just got a really good deal that also helped because we didn't have to deal with, um, repairing the body damage. (laughs) So, um, that one we had for about three years and this one we've had almost six years. So for nine years, I've driven essentially the same car, but three years into that, it was a slight upgrade. I mean, it was like slightly newer. I have often gotten cars from a dealer, but that are one or two years old, the kind that have been driven off the lot and then traded back in for some reason, or they were a lease. So I don't know that either one was brand new, but they were pretty new. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I will definitely talk a little bit later in the show about my poor low stakes driving, um, but I don't think I've ever shared the story in the podcast. Maybe I told you, Sarah, when I returned my um, when I returned my Jeep, I actually had some. I had somehow purchased like the extra insurance, which I never do. I always think it's a ripoff, but I think it was one of those things where like the the dealership said that if I bought it, I would get like a thousand dollars off. So it basically was a wash; like it didn't yeah. cost me anything. And I ended up having to use it because I had so much body damage on the car. And when I took it into the, um, to like the shop, the guy was so disappointed in me. That's the only <laughs> way I can put it. He was walking around my car, like taking photos of the dented bumpers and all this. And he was like, tisking me like, Oh, how did you do this? What happened here? I'm like, I don't know, man. I can't use a backup cal- uh, camera very well because when I- there's a backup camera, all I look at is the backup camera. I forget to look. I know outside of it, and then I run into things. I was
0: like, "I just do your job, please fix it." I don't I know. know. Just <laughs> I hate the judgment. I hate the judgment <laughs> yes. of car people. That's like a whole separate thing. And then my my quick answer to that is the last time I had some body damage repaired because of an actual significant thing that I backed into. Um, they asked if they were like, Oh, do you want this fixed too? And it's like this paint scrape on the front, lower right bumper. And I was like, Oh no, that one's fine. Like you can, you can leave that one just undent the back of my car from when I backed into something. Yeah. We're terrible.
1: We're terrible, but it's okay. I've actually been much better in the Subaru probably, probably because it's not valuable and it's got body damage already. So it's like, I don't know. My mind is like, I don't, it's just, you know how those it's like
0: how are. you don't lose cheap sunglasses, but if you ever get right. expensive ones, you'll sit on them or or lose them. Yep, break them.
1: Yes, exactly. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy, so this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious.
0: Listeners,
1: our place offers a hundred-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MomHour at checkout to receive ten percent off site-wide. That's fromourourplace.com code MomHour. Okay, Sarah. So before we go forward, I want us to each give a quick rundown of the cars we've owned over the years, and. I haven't had that many, you know, like I know there's a lot of families who trade their cars out like every two years and that would get a little tedious, but I have a relatively short number and so do you. Um, yeah, I did want to ask you a quick question before we jump in. I'll go first, but besides the Subaru and my very first car, which was a Volkswagen, every vehicle I've owned has been American made. And I think that is a very Michigan thing. I'm Um, sure
0: that is. Yeah.
1: So I'm curious if there's anything like that in California, like there are towns cities around in Michigan that if you live in them and drive a foreign car, you are like snubbed. Yeah. people won't, you know, they won't like throw things at you on the street. But like people will if people work for Ford or GM or whatever, they will give you a hard time about it, which I think is funny since a lot of the materials are made overseas. Anyway, but whatever. Um, right. is that yeah. is that I, your experience in California? I
0: think I don't think that's a thing out here and I can't speak culturally obviously to every pocket of California. I think out here like, you know, you're you, uh, there are there are sort of gold stars for energy efficiency. So like yeah. hybrids and electric and even just like, like the anti-gas guzzler. I think when, when I lived in yeah. Arizona, the trucks are big and the SUVs are big and it's mm-hmm. like guzzle all the gas. Too. And then, there's a little bit of social pressure to not be like that i think in parts of california again speaking broadly um but i do kind of remember that in the midwest even in chicago a little bit um and i know that i know some families who just prefer to buy american made cars and that's like their thing but i i'm sure that michigan would be like just more extreme in that
1: yeah and i've been very curious like i've been honda curious i know their that their cars are are known for being super just like you know indestructible the last forever yeah. um Toyota has some, some cars, like I'm really interested in. So it's always interesting to me because I just gravitate toward American made. And then I'm like, I don't really understand why I don't have anyone like working for any of these companies in my family or in the union. Like, why do I care? It's just one of those things. that's hard to kind of like, it's, it's just inbred, like it's ingrained in you. So, well, okay, I'll go through my list. So my very first car was a Volkswagen Golf. It was a 1985 Volkswagen Golf, which means it was not as old As my current car is, which I think is interesting because it felt ancient and it, I'll talk about this later. It didn't run that well either. (laughs) Um, then that car kept dying. And so when I was either, I think I was still pregnant and John and I, um, bought a brand new Ford Ranger truck. That's the only other new vehicle I've ever owned. And it wasn't really mine, but like it was there for me to use. I think it was more his car than mine. Um, Then later I got an old Ford station wagon. Can't remember the model on that. I probably could. I remember it was red. Um, It had been my mom's. It was given to me. Um, Then I had a Saturn. That was a 93 Saturn, I believe. And I got it in 2003. So again, only 10 years old, but I feel like I bought like the crappiest possible 10 year old cars um, (laughs) at at that time of my life. And then I had a Dodge Caravan. A minivan. And that was really the bread and butter of my like early parenting days. And I loved that Dodge Caravan. I, I, had I still hear great, great things kids anymore. about about yeah.
0: Dodge Caravan and the Plymouth. Or is that what there's another of those minivans that I always hear great things about?
1: I, I think the care, I just always have heard great things about the caravan, but probably they're all great. And I will also say when I went on that road trip for spring break, we had a caravan and this time both the doors opened. And I feel like when I had my Old caravan, only the right-hand door in the back open. In uh, fact, there uh-huh. wasn't a door on the left at all. I remember that. Just the right style. hand, yep. But, like, the buttons that open everything, just a, they were just magical. Um, then, I had a, then I had a Yukon, and both the Yukon and the Dodge Caravan were, like, hand-me-down cheap purchases from my in-laws. Uh, we drove the Yukon for years. That was actually great for when the kids were bigger. Um, what I didn't love about big SUVs when they were all like really little is like climbing into the back of a big SUV to buckle kids in is kind of torturous. But if most of them can go in the way back and buckle themselves for the most part, and then you only have to worry about the baby in, you know, the middle row, that's fine. And then I traded that in, uh, for the Jeep and now my Subaru. So that's not that many cars. And you know, now I've been driving for like nearly 30 years, which is crazy.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I don't have that many either. Um, my, my parents bought, so when I got my driver's license, um, airbags were a brand new thing and the data on airbags was like pretty life-changing. I don't know if you remember, but like, yeah, no, it I do was, remember like, and so they started like, do to do this made, thing. Yeah. <laughs> and they started to be made standard in less and less expensive new cars right around the time that I started driving. So my parents decided to get a, it was a modest new car, but it was new because of the airbags. And I remember like almost kind of wishing it was the RAV4 was very funny looking. It was the very beginning of those mini SUVs or those crossover yes. SUVs. It was awkward and dorky looking. And Wasn't I was it such, kind of like Jeep, like Jeepish, but like, yes, a, like if you like shrunk, tra- like a, tra- down down a tracker a je- sort of. Yes. Well, like if you shrunk yes, down a okay. Jeep and rounded all of the surfaces and made it look <laughs> yes. not cool. And I, yes. of course, I'm so I mean, I'm owning my privilege here. I was very like all I cared about was kind of fitting in. And first of all, it was a brand new car and I didn't like the kind of label of what, what went along with that of like being spoiled or like, and, and then also it was just ugly. Um, but of course that was a great safe car to drive. Thank you, mom and dad. So that was a little Toyota RAV4. They later changed the body on the RAV4 and they don't, they look now like just like a mini SUV, but yeah. I still see like- the ones from the nineties around and because they're still driving because Toyotas will go forever. Um, and it had a cool, like you opened the trunk, like a door, like si- instead of up and down, it went sideways and it had kind of a roomy trunk for a little car. So, I mean, it was cute, but I had like my own teenage, like weird hangups about it. Yeah. Um, also in my teenage years, I drove a little Toyota pickup truck for a couple summers when I was home because my parents had sold that RAV and I learned to drive stick on this little Toyota. I forget what the, the we're a Toyota family, if you can't tell, but it was a very old stick shift, the smallest pickups, like they're very petite. And I loved the feeling of driving a truck, but it was like, a Sarah sized truck. It wasn't overwhelmingly big. And I loved learning to drive stick really, really well. I had been taught a couple of other times, but it's like anything else you get taught and then you forget because you don't do it for a while. So those summers home in college, I really mastered stick shift driving in this little Toyota pickup, this little black pickup. Mm. Um, And then I didn't have a car in Illinois when I was at, at college at Northwestern until the very end. And then I had an Audi that looked beautiful and didn't run. And we'll get into that. (laughs) Let that story of a lemon. Um, and then I got another rav four because like the universe thinks that's funny when we moved to Arizona and I started having babies and they, again, the body type had been updated. It looked much more like like a Honda CRV or like the little, like the smallest little crossover SUVs. And it was kind of like dark red. It was cute. And I had that until I got pregnant the third time. And then we went to the Toyota Sienna minivans. So I've had a lot of Toyotas and one German car.
1: Okay. I love this. Um, I just wanted to mention that I learned to drive a stick the summer between my freshman and sophomore years of college. I went and lived with my brothers down in Tennessee in this log cabin in the middle of nowhere. And they had a roommate who was like never there. I think he had like basically moved in with his girlfriend or something and had left his car that was a stick. And I got to, I don't think I had my own car at the time or maybe, no, I didn't. I didn't have my own car. Because I was just coming off my freshman year, where we were not allowed to have cars on campus, so um, I basically got to use this guy. His name was Doug. I got to use his car all summer, and that's how I learned to drive a stick. And I don't remember anything about what kind of car it was, except that all of the that fabric on the ceiling was falling Mm -hmm. in, and it would like hit you in the head. And then I was like (laughs) pushing it back up with thumbtacks, so there were like thumbtacks all over the ceiling. And I also got rear-ended in that car three times. Oh wow! And what was weird is they were truly never my fault. but being rear-ended, especially, like, really hard on a country road where you don't see it coming or you're trying to, like, slow down to get on an exit or something, it will really spook you. And there were years uh, I where... Have a, I have an yeah.
0: actual anxiety response to being rear-ended, which is why yeah. I'm a very anxious passenger seat driver. Um,
1: oh, Okay
0: because i always think and Brian's really safe but i'm i'm the worst i am that passenger seat driver that like i'm just afraid someone's going to slam into us you, and it, it is you make for, that noise from, like <gasps> like that noise i mean i try really hard not to but yeah i'm pretty <laughs> i'm pretty bad
1: so i've gotten over it for the most part but there were like probably a 3 or 4 year there's like a 3 or 4 year period where i would tense up every time i came like a slow down or stop mm-hmm. or if i felt like someone was coming up on me too quickly cuz it just gets in again it's like ingrained in you you're just waiting for the impact and it's very scary. So um, it is very scary. Yeah. So anyway, I took the, I borrowed Doug's car and messed it all up and I gave it <laughs> back to him at the end of the summer. Um, I don't think I ran into anything, but other people ran into me. So let's see uh, my next question, which you really nicely set us up for was I don't even know how to put this. Like, did you ever feel plagued by car issues? Because again, with that, like knee jerk muscle memory thing. I think it's really hard when you've been driving a car that breaks down a lot to get over it and to trust that a car can be there for you and not do that. Um, It feels like forever, even if it's just a brief time or like even one car. So I want you to tell your stories first, but I think we both have one of these.
0: Yeah. And I have one car in particular, because as we've been over, I've driven mostly relatively new cars. Um, And a lot of times they kind of came with some kind of protection plan or like my family had AAA, like, I was right. I was car secure. You know, like and I I wasn't used to a ton of car trouble other than the occasional like flat tire that happened a few times as a teenager and other random things. But um after college, I drove this cute little Audi that was a adorable little car and I drove a ton because I was dancing professionally in the city. I was waitressing in the city and then I was teaching dance and performing and rehearsing almost always in the far Chicago suburbs. So all our Chicago listeners like Aurora and Geneva and like West Chicago and like far West suburbs. And then sometimes some other, I mean, I went to Evanston a lot in Skokie and I don't know. So I was driving an hour a lot of times, multiple times a week in and out of the city in traffic. And this Audi broke down. And I don't mean like a a little wiggly noise that you have to take in and get looked at. I mean, you're driving along and then you're not, I want to say like (laughs) six times in two years, like and there was no reason for it. And I never, I never really like understood the concept of a lemon. Like that seems like that's not a real thing. Like how could a car truly be a lemon? I don't think they ever found one thing that was responsible, but it was a very nice car. It was a relatively new car. It shouldn't have been doing that. And the the breakdown stories are comical. One time I was on, it was my first day teaching at a dance studio in the far suburbs. So I'd been hired, but I hadn't worked there yet. And um, I had to call my boss. We, this is early cell phone day. So I did have a cell phone. Um, And it was like 96 degrees and I was on the center divider of like I-80 or 88 (laughs) or one of those westbound ones. And it was like 100 degrees outside and my car just it wouldn't even limp along. I was just stuck there and I had to miss my first day of work. That was like super stressful because I felt really I felt bad, like no showing my first day of work. Yeah. Another time it was a blizzard at night. So I had like middle of summer, middle of winter the blizzard one someone from the studio i was going to had to come get me at like a gas station in Wheaton or wherever i was like it just that car was a joke and then every time it happened it would be in the shop or in the at the audi dealer for like i don't know 10 days 2 weeks 3 weeks it was like it was comical so that was that story and um it just was a part of my life when i was the other thing about those years is i was learning to be an adult it was the years right. when i was like 22 23 24 i was you know, it was my first time really being a grown up, and I'm, I'm, you know, I, I was a pretty good grown up. Like I took care of things. I was responsible, but you're new to everything. So every right. time I wasn't calling home 2000 miles away, like no one was going to bail me out. So I just, I guess in that sense, it was good, good learning, but it, I mean, I probably could have bought a 15 year old car of another kind mm-hmm. and that's not the, had it. Right, exactly.
1: Well, that's what I think we're, what I was just remarking on when I was talking about how the age of the cars that I had that were the worst. Now that I think about it, they weren't that old. Like I've driven older cars that functioned better. And I think sometimes there's just a car that's just, just junk. It's yeah. just the lemon. And you don't know because you don't have the experience yet to know that that's not normal.
0: No, totally. You're right.
1: Okay. So for me, there was really one that I feel like was my doomed car. And then I had a couple pretty dramatic breakdowns in a different car. So the golf, my very first car which again, when it's your very first car, that's the lemon, you just don't have any, you have nothing to compare it to. So, um, the golf had been like, I don't, I feel like it had been my brother's car Then my dad drove it for a while. And so it was kind of unofficially my car, but like, didn't become officially my car until I went to college my sophomore year. Cause I needed to have a vehicle cause I was living off campus and I bought it from my dad for some really low amount of money, like 300 bucks or something like something silly. Um, mm-hmm. and I was driving to school, which was like an hour and a half away um, after coming home to pick it up. And probably, and I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, this is my car. I'm such a grown up, blah, blah, blah. The check oil light starts going off and it doesn't just light up, it makes a sound. And oh. I don't even want to make the sound directly into the mic because it just gives me like flashbacks. It's so annoying. But I'm going to cover the mic and kind of make the noise. It's like,
0: okay. Oh, yes and it wouldn't stop. It just, the entire drive. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's like the, the sound that like when you leave your keys in the ignition and it's trying to tell you that you shouldn't, there's old cars used to do that. Yes.
1: Yeah. Now they go bing, bing, bing. But back then it was like, okay. So it would make that sound. (laughs) And I, I didn't know what to do, but I, first of all, did not have a cell phone. This was not cell phone times, but I was not going to call home. Like I was a grown up. I was not going to call home and ask for advice was really cold, as I recall. So it must have been, I almost wonder, like, if the really cold time was a different time. I just remember stopping at a truck stop. Oh, whoa. Oh, wait. Nope. The oil light just went off the whole way home. The time I had to stop at a a gas station or a truck stop really late on a cold night was when the radiator broke and Uh. the car would overheat constantly. And by the way, I took it in. There was nothing actually really wrong with the car. It was like a sensor issue um, on the oil the check oil thing, so I let that one go, but then my radiator really had a crack in it. And so I would have to stop, and I had no money to repair this car. So I just let it go. Um, and I would have to stop and put radiator or uh, you know put antifreeze mm-hmm. to keep to coolant, right? And sometimes I would just use water if I didn't have enough money, and also because the coolant was just leaking right out. So I right. was just stopping and putting like bottles of water in it just to keep it going and had to do that forever. Um, all the brake pads fell off one time. When John and I were early married, he and my brother were driving it down to Tennessee. I wasn't, I think I was maybe visiting my dad or something and wasn't with them, but all the brake pads fell off and they were like, gosh, it was just really grindy all the way there. And then my mother-in-law oh my was gosh. like, I found all your brake pads in the driveway. Uh, the fender fell off and then John had to stick the fender in the back seat and drive around with it. And there was, we were living in Nashville at the time and there was like a doppelganger golf that was also always broken down on the side oh, of the road. Funny. So we would see it and it was like an omen. We'd be like, oh, there's our twin broken down the side of the road again, <laughs> like same color and everything. And then it would turn out that we would break out down the next day. And it, I just got used to the fact that like I might go to the grocery store and stop the car and then not be able to start it again oh and just gosh. walk home and then come back the next day. And sometimes it would start like it just. We couldn't keep up with what was wrong with this car, and finally, it was just time for it to go. That's we so probably... stressful, though. That is. <laughs> it is. It is. And I was pregnant. I'm like I don't know. I had a job. Like I was working a nine to five type job in the city of Nashville, and we lived outside the city. Um. So that was really stressful. It was so stressful. Um. But I also just got used to it. It's still so funny how you you just accept it. Like that's how cars are. And now I'm like, no, that's not how cars no, are. It doesn't have to be this way, have Megan. It doesn't to be that way. I know. Um, the other thing when we had the caravan, which I did love, it had a, a couple known issues. And one of them was that caravans of that year chewed up tires. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of flat tires, just like more flat tires than I've ever had with any other vehicle in that car. And they would just randomly happen. There was really no rhyme or reason. They weren't particularly old. We were having them you know, balanced and all that, they just, it just chewed them up. And at one point we had taken the car. I think we were in Chicago and we took it to a shop to have like all the tires replaced. And then as we're driving out of Chicago, so I'm in the caravan and John with all the kids and I'm pregnant with Clara. So all the boys and John are in the Yukon. So we had just gotten the Yukon Mm -hmm. and we were still driving the caravan and they're all, they're all ahead of me on the, on the toll road. And the transmission went out on the toll road, like where the two roads outside of Chicago on uh-huh. the Indiana side, that's like where they converge. So it was, I like drifted to the middle. There's like a little island of grass, but it was snow because it was February and I was 36 weeks
0: pregnant. I think. Oh my gosh. Um,
1: stopped there. And then my phone wouldn't place the call because at the time there was really this weird spot right in between the Indiana suburb suburb area and the city of Chicago were constantly, I would lose signal and could Mm -hmm. not get it back until I got like about 30 minutes down the road. And it was really annoying. But now I'm like stranded in in literally in the middle of the freeway, not even on the side of the freeway, pregnant in my car, which won't work. John and the kids are gone. So I had to get out and walk. I finally was and like police went by. I didn't stop. So I'm just sitting there on the side of the road like, okay, I'm gonna have to walk. So I went to the side. I'm walking like in the shoulder in the snow. And it's probably the toll booth was like maybe, I don't know, half a mile up, something like that. So I'm kind of schlupping down the highway, crying. I wanted to break my phone and like throw it into the weeds. Um, And this van pulls over with carpet, like all over the inside of the van, these two older guys and a teenage kid. And they're like, do you want to ride? And I thought, so I had to wait for a second. Like, what are the chances? (laughs) I'm going to be smashed on the side of the highway versus the chances they're going to abduct me. And so I'm quickly doing the mental math. And I'm like, well, there's a toll booth. It would be really hard for them to ab- abduct me through a toll booth. Oh my so gosh. I took the ride and then I got out at the toll booth and I went in and made a phone call. And John had to circle back. By this point, he's like 25 miles down the road. Right. He had to come back, go through the tolls again, pick me up. Then we had to go again around. Yeah. To like get the car taken care of, it was just ridiculous. Ridiculous with four but little boys was in the car. With four little boys in the car, yeah. um, and it's just funny looking back at that now because that was that was like the only time that car epically failed, but it was so epic.
0: That but is, I don't think I've ever heard that story, or at least not I, I kind of forget about it detail. sometimes.
1: Yeah, that's but amazing. You know, I've had a pretty good run since, and like honestly, I don't know if it's because it's like. The, It's not like I take that much better care of my cars. Maybe I just have better cars to begin with. Maybe having a little more disposable income uh, means I just take care of stuff a little more proactively. Or maybe it's like that again. Like you tend to run into problems when you least, like Murphy's Law, like when you really don't need it. You really don't need to break down the highway when you're eight months pregnant. You you know, that's when it's, you know, winter and snowing and all that. And so maybe there it's just been a weird convergence of like, there never being dire enough stakes (laughs) for like little problems to really bother me. So it's been okay. It's been okay. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I'll quickly lead on this one. My next question is how good are you at car maintenance? And I would say historically, I was pretty terrible. I've gotten better. I've I've gotten better about remembering things like, you know, changing my oil and putting air in my tires and checking the tire pressure and all that. It's still not the first thing I think of. or the, even the fifth thing I think of. I'm just kind of like a driving as an afterthought. I just want my car to get me around. Yeah. And I don't want to have to think about it. So I'm always just like a little bit behind. The car isn't gross inside anymore. Um, that, you, that was definitely a thing for me when my kids were really little. Like my car was always disgusting. And now that they're older, and I guess because I did have the experience of having a newer, like a new leased car, I got really good at keeping it clean during that time. Right. And so I've kept up with that a little bit better but just like, I don't know. I just don't pay attention to stuff like that. Like when I had the lease, I was over the mileage and ran into things and like scraped it and, and all that stuff. And I, I still didn't keep up with the oil changes right on time. It's yeah. just something that maybe I'll never be great at. How about you? yeah.
0: You know, I'm not, I'm not inherently great either. And I feel a lot like you that I just, it feels like something that should take care of itself. And right. I, I've always lacked a lot of confidence with car maintenance and being like a, an adult about cars and I'm very adulty in most areas of my life. Cause it like serves my, uh, satisfaction in like getting things done and checking things off. But I, I am kind of a wimp when it comes to like taking care of things about the car off and like try to ask Brian or put it off. All I right. will say that when I've had cars that have some kind of a maintenance plan, like they're on a warranty for a year. And then even after they're not on a warranty, like when you go to a Toyota dealership, like they've got your name in the system. They'll tell you when it's time to come back and they'll send you an yeah. email or they'll put a sticker on. And I'm actually pretty good about that. Um, when I haven't been on those plans, I was terrible about getting my oil change. Like you said, I would just forget it was a thing. It seemed like the cadence of how often didn't match with anything else I was right. doing. So I would, it would go too long and then I'd feel guilty about it. And then I'd always worry they were going to make me feel dumb when I went in there or, or, or try and upsell me something yes. I didn't want. I have this memory of the little like Jiffy Lube place across the street from my house in, in Arizona and taking the little kids in there. And just, I don't know. I just, I lack a lot of care and confidence when it comes to car maintenance. And my car's still pretty messy inside. Maybe not disgusting. It's not like, you know, smushed goldfish crackers, disgusting anymore. It used to be, but I'm, I'm not good about keeping the inside of my car clean either. And like Um, I park outside now all the time. I used to park in the garage at least half the time. Brian and I would kind of switch on and off since he has an electric car. He has to park it in there to charge at least some of the time. But um, I park outside almost all the time now. And that just adds to the the dusty, dirty. Even the inside gets kind of gross. So no, I am not great. (laughs) I will have
1: like little phases I'll go through where I'm remembering to wipe the dashboard down with those little wipes and things like that. And then I'll go like a long time and just because if I don't have it in my hand when I get in the car. I'm not going to like go in the house and get it or go to the store and buy it, you know? So, um, yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I'd like to be better at it, but how much do I really care?
0: You know? right? Yeah. You know what I am good at is replacing wiper fluid because that Chicago, the, all that Chicago driving and all the snow and ice and the, and the dust from the expressway I went through wiper fluid in that car, like, like crazy, like no car I've ever been in because I was constantly, you know, using it. And so I got really good at just remembering to pick it up at the gas station when I was filling up with gas and, you know, I learned how to replace it really easily. So that is the one exception is I don't like being low on windshield wiper fluid because it, I don't like that feeling of not being able to clean off my windshield.
1: So I'm pretty good about that too. But again, that actually affects the performance of like the experience of being in the car. And that's why I'll do it. Whereas it would right. have to be pretty low on oil or the oil would have to be pretty old and gross yeah, you're for me so to right. actually notice the difference. So that's why I don't think about that. It's like, it's, yeah. it's in the engine. So I'm not, I'm not like, not again, Also, it's not my problem. Or like last year, you know, on my old vehicle, my air conditioning stopped working and I had to go to AutoZone and ask them like what to do. And they showed me how to buy the Freon stuff and how to put it on the car. Well, I did that right away because I'm not going to drive around without air conditioning. Right, right. Like that's, that's miserable. But if it's just happening under the hood and I can't see it, it's out of sight, out of mind. Agreed. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. To claim this deal, go to slash mom hour. The deal's is not available on their regular website. Go to h i y a h e a l t slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Sarah. So let's do some dreaming about new cars. At first, I want to ask you this question, and you go first on this one. Do you consider yourself a car person?
0: No. I Like we just were talking about before the break, it just feels like. Um, again, I have a lot of privilege in that. I've had cars that work and get me to where I need to go, but I don't place a lot of, um, attachment to like the symbol of a car. I know a lot of moms, like when they cross over to minivan territory for a lot of people who are car people, they're like, Oh, I've got to have the minivan or I'll never drive a minivan. I was like, all right, I guess I drive a minivan now. I just don't, I feel very detached from, um, like what what kind of car I drive says about me, if it gets me where I need to go. So I don't consider yeah. myself a car person. I am surrounded by a few car people. Um, and I've, I've, you know, I've been sort of adjacent to people's excitement about a, diff- a new car, a different type of car. And Brian's gotten really into electric vehicles the last several years, even before Tesla was a thing. Um, it's just a, a passion and an interest of his. So, I can appreciate that. When I was in high school, I really wanted a Toyota 4Runner. That's the only car I really thought looked really cool that I would love to drive, and I've never had a 4Runner. And they look kind of different now than they did in the 90s, and I kind of like the 90s one better. So maybe maybe someday like I'll get a 90s Toyota 4Runner and drive it around when I'm when it's just me. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm not really a car person. How about you?
1: Not really. Okay. So, I always want like I want to be that person. There's some on some level there is a cool factor about being someone who, who understands cars and is like really into a certain make or, you know what I mean? Or even a model. And um, I look at, you know, old fashioned Jaguars and think they look amazing or the car I really wanted in high school. I believe was the Mazda Miata was a little mm-hmm. yes. sporty little um, they were cute. convertible. They're very cute. And I could totally see myself like at some point of my life owning an antique car or owning a little convertible and loving it. But it's not because I'm a car person. It would be yeah. because it was sexy and and cool looking and I had the money to put into it and not to worry about it. And I think that's pretty normal. You know, I don't think all of us like really understand a lot about horsepower and, you know, like the engine and all right. that stuff. Um, but we still want a cute little zippy car and it's just like a fun little fantasy thing. Right. So yeah. Like at this point in my life, the amount of effort that would go into the choosing and the learning about it and the buying and the maintaining. eh. But like at some point, sure. Why not? Question mark. Yeah. yeah you know. Um, okay. So that leads me to the next question. And I'll answer this one first. What features do you like in a car and what do you not care about? And I really never gave this much thought until I leased my Jeep because, you know, the way they um, package all those features kind of forces you to choose features you don't care about to get the ones you do.
0: Oh, right.
1: You know, like, because it's like, oh, the comfort package and the safety package. It's like cable packages.
0: Like I just want HBO, but they're going to make me get like 400 other channels. Right.
1: Exactly. And so what I learned is that I paid a lot of money to have lots of things. And I only really cared about like three things. And one was temperature regulation. Um, I will say my Jeep was never great at this, even though it was brand new. I always felt like the air conditioning, it like ran too hot and cold. Like it could never chill out. It was always like burning me or freezing me out. And it was, it just, I had a really hard time regulating it. So that is very important to me. Like I really don't like to be driving around super hot or super cold. Um, I am happy to roll a window down, but not all cars are really very aerodynamic. And my current car is so loud with the windows down that it's a bummer. Like I don't yes. want my windows down, which I hate because I really love having the windows down, uh, but don't, but I, but I can't stand the noise. Right. Um, I do like an automatic starter. That's pretty mm-hmm. important. But then there's this other list of things that in theory, I like, you know, they're good, but then I don't miss them when they're gone. And I really quickly adapt if they're just not there or if they break. So in you know, the car I've been driving since October before last has not had functioning cruise control. I want to say within a week or two when I bought it, it stopped working and I barely noticed. Like it's a little bit annoying if I'm on a long tri- uh, drive, but I don't really care that much. Um, I had a sunroof in the Jeep and I missed it a little bit, but then I almost always have kayaks on top of my car mm, or at mm-hmm. least kayak racks during sunroof season. And then again, you get that loud sound and you don't mm-hmm. really get to enjoy the sunroof. So I kind of got over that too. So- There were all these things I thought I would care a lot about and really want. And in the end, they're like nice to haves, but I don't care that much. How
0: about you? So that's so funny because as you were talking, I don't think I've ever used cruise control. I've had it on cars, but I, I don't like, I don't think I liked, I don't want to release control. I don't. uh, Yeah. Well, it,
1: it really does help you not speed. Like, that's the reason I really like it the best. You know how like on a long trip and maybe you just don't do that many like super long road trips where you zone out, but yeah, I, to I zone don't out. And then I have a lead foot and I yeah. speed real bad. So cruise control just helps me not speed. And also helps me not like almost tense up while I'm driving uh-huh. with yeah, your leg always on. The, yeah.
0: Yeah. With your, my hip flexor and my ankle and stuff that you're like yeah. kind of in that constant engaged leg position. I think our long trips is mostly Brian driving. So I guess right. again, I haven't needed it, but I've also never had a car with a sunroof. I don't think ever. Um so that's so funny that those were your two that you don't miss cuz I don't think I wouldn't miss them I've never had them.
1: I have to say something really quick about the sunroof. Yeah. I misspoke because in my Jeep it was a moonroof and that's when I learned the difference between a sunroof and a moonroof.
0: What is it? And I've heard I've heard the two. Well,
1: okay, I believe and and this is my knowledge is not several years old cuz I don't care enough to look it up, but um I'm pretty sure so it was a panoramic moonroof where it would like the whole thing basically opened up and unfolded. I think that's what, like, when you can look up and it's just all glass on top, I believe that's a moonroof, whereas the sunroof was, like, remember the little oval ones that were Mm -hmm. big, like, in the 80s and 90s? Like, they truly were, you would almost, like, slide it back and it would just be, like, a little bit. I think that's the difference. I do not understand why. Like, I don't know why there would be that distinction. But sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to point out for the real car people listening and going, no.
0: It's, a moon it's not roof. a
1: sunroof. It's a moonroof.
0: We've saved you all an really, email. You don't have to. <laughs> I've
1: say. never really understood why the difference. But anyway,
0: yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Um, well, I was going to say automatic starter for sure. And I think I think we've talked about this at some point, but mine was for the Arizona summers and it was an aftermarket one and I still have it. It transferred from my old minivan to my new minivan. They just they somehow like it's an aftermarket installation thing and it's a key fob. Um, but hopefully my next car will just have it because that is super useful where I live now is so much more temperate, but you never know why that might be helpful. It just feels like we have that technology. Why not make that standard? Yeah. Um, Bluetooth connectivity is important to me and it's been around for a while, but my current car is just very janky when it comes to like connecting to my phone, playing whatever I'm playing on my phone, Spotify or podcasts. What happens is The Bluetooth connects because I can see on the display, it'll say I'm listening to the Mom Hour with Megan Francis and Sarah Powers, but the sound is still coming out of my phone until I hit pause on the car display, pause the music or whatever I'm listening to, hit play, and then for another, you can count it. It's a good another seven or eight seconds. It still won't connect, and then it will. And like it's so second nature to the kids and I now, but it would be nice to have a car where if I want the Bluetooth to be operational, it doesn't require like a minute and a half of extra button pushing before you can be Bluetoothing from your phone. Um, I don't think I care about the speakers or the the quality of the sound system. I just want I want Bluetooth and sound system ease of use and functionality. First of all, I think it's safer. I don't like the feeling of having to push a bunch of buttons to switch a podcast or I know voice activation is becoming more of a thing in cars. so if that if that worked and that was functional to be able to like Say like we do to our smart speakers at home, but say that to your car and say, hey, like pause the music or hey, like turn down the music. I think that would be cool. I think we're kind of moving there. Um, the van doors. So the automatic sliding minivan doors are great. I can open them from, you know, I can push buttons from where I sit in the driver's seat. I can do it from my car from my key fob. Um, and then of course you can do it at the at the door level. I don't have an automatic trunk. Like I can't do that to the trunk. The trunk is manual. And every once in a while I see someone like push their trunk button as they're like headed out with their groceries and it pops up. And I think, Oh, that's cool. But I don't think, Mm. I don't think I care that much. The the sliding doors are really useful for the kids. You know, when you're picking them up and dropping them off at school. And if those of you listening, like aren't quite in the carpool lane stage of life yet, but you will be, and it lasts a really long time. So if you can push a button and have that door safely open and your little kid can climb in and like a teacher or a helper doesn't have to mess with the door. Like it just, that is really nice. So I would continue. I would, I would be two thumbs up on the automated van doors. And I think they've only like, I've only had problems with them once or twice. Like they're pretty reliable. Um, and then one thing I really like right now is that, um, whatever car I have in the future, if I can personally adjust the seat arrangement myself without needing like a big old strong man to come help me, I think that makes me feel much more in charge of my situation. So my car can be, it's a seven seater normally. It has a little jump seat that plugs in and can be an eighth seat with a seatbelt. It's, it makes it tight across the middle row, but it can do it. Um, and then also everything can fold down and we've bought a lot of secondhand furniture this year. We've gone you know, we'll like load something in the back. So I like the fact that I by myself can manipulate all the seats into their different arrangements. And I would want that in a future car, just because I like the versatility. I love the versatility of the minivan. And I'd, even if I don't get an eight seater next time, whatever I get, I want to, I want the seats to be that easy to manipulate, if that makes sense.
1: It does. Okay. So I have a couple thoughts. One about the seat thing. Um, I think that cars have gotten pretty good about that because I'm looking, I'm thinking back and thinking, are there any vehicles I've had where I couldn't on my own? And of course me being a single woman, that's really important to me to be able to like fold seats down. And, and I think for the most part I have, I will say when we had the Yukon, they kind of assumed that if you had a big load, you would take the third row seats out. Mm. And I remember feeling like that's very extreme. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. How, how many times in my life do I want to remove? It's nice that you can do it, but like I'm never going to do that. I think we did it like once when we moved and had to put literally pieces of furniture back there, but like otherwise, nah, I'm not doing that. So, um, in the Subaru, that's one really nice thing. I can fold the seats down and I could sleep back there. It's like a flat, nice, wide open area, um, that I could use for transporting a lot of stuff before I'd have to worry about seat removal, but it has seemed pretty, pretty good, I guess. Yeah. Good. Um, I have a Bluetooth, like a third part uh, aftermarket, I guess, not third party uh, aftermarket Bluetooth connection thing that just goes into the cigarette lighter, which I just think it's funny that carrots still have cigarette lighters, yeah. but, um, they do come in handy for those kinds of things because there's still a lot of little adapters for them. And Amy Clark, our friend, um, mm-hmm. from momadvice.com suggested it to me. It was like $35 and I've had great luck with it. it. The only time it didn't work was when I was driving through the hills of Ohio. And I think that's, it's, based on a radio, it has to pick up a radio station.
0: Oh, I remember and then you saying it, that. Yeah. Yeah. It
1: has to pick up like a radio station. That's not actually in, you know, tune or whatever. So it's just static. And then it plays through that. And so we couldn't, because we were up and down the Hills, it was just constant. Like we couldn't maintain the connection very long. And that was annoying, but that's literally in 18 months, the only problems I've had with it or however long I've had it. Um, I did recently learn that I don't have armrests in my car, which I didn't, even oh. really recognize that I don't have armrests. Um, Eric pointed it out. And I was like, you're right. I don't have armrests in this car. How very strange. But it, I never realized I wanted them until now that yeah. I know they don't have them. <laughs> uh, that's really it's kind funny. of weird, right? And then I think something that's like underrated in design are... Um, well, we talked a little bit about blind spots. I hate excessive blind spots. Like mm-hmm. It really annoys me, especially because of my spatial issues, which you yes. share but cup holders. Oh yes. Like a well-placed cup holder that's the right size is so important and I just feel like that's one of those like design things that d- doesn't always get the attention it should.
0: Yes. And I think for a long time like more cu- more was more and and a lot of cars have a lot of cup holders now but I agree with you there's placement and size can make a big difference too and I am very happy with the cup holder situation in the Toyota Sienna. There's some that like pop out that you don't have to yeah, use I unless you need them. There's some in the driver's and passenger side door so that if you you could have a water bottle down in the pocket way down, you know, at the bottom of your door, just for if you needed it. It's not really a cup holder, but it's shaped like a like a water bottle. So there's just a lot of options. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's move on to the next question. And I'm actually going to like um, lump these two questions, the next two questions into one. And the two questions are, do you enjoy the process of shopping for a new car? And question B is, what about haggling?
0: I think you should go first on this one, actually. Both of those.
1: Okay. Uh, I am very meh about shopping for a new car. Theoretically, I guess it's exciting to drive up to a dealership and see all the shiny new cars, but I find it overwhelming. I don't really know what I'm looking for. I don't like dealing with salespeople. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like I don't like salespeople. I think salespeople are great. I just don't like the pressure of them knowing more than me and me feeling like I have to perform for them. It's very uncomfortable. And I think haggling is so embarrassing for everybody involved. (laughs) I want to die. Like, and the funny thing is in my life, I'm a great negotiator. Like I will negotiate contracts. I will negotiate pay, no embarrassment, nothing like no hesitation. But when it comes to a vehicle, there's something about it that makes me just want to die. And when I bought my car, I did bring my brother. So the funny thing is, the guy let me take the car myself on the test drive. So I just drove away and went and picked my brother up because he lived, you know, like five blocks away. And then we showed back up at the dealership and I had an extra person with me. I'm sure That's the guy so was funny. like, what? And he just like, my brother just got out of the car and knocked like $500 off, A very cheap. It was like a $6,000 car. My brother's just like, eh, what if we just give you a dollars And the guy's like, okay. So I see how it can work. I see that's how the game is played. But because I don't know about cars, I find it really embarrassing. And some people love it. My brother, being one, loves it for sport. So I have to share a quick story. My brother and Jenna uh, just replaced her vehicle um, not too long ago. And they were at the dealership for 12 hours. What? 12 hours. And at one point, Jenna texted and said, I'm having margaritas. I can't handle it anymore. So she left. (laughs) She left because she just couldn't stand it. She's like, my face was red. I was embarrassed. But my brother stuck it out. And I think he knocked like $25,000 off the price. It was like a 20, like a brand new 2020. But it was like sitting on the lot kind of buried. And he was just like, you don't want this car anymore. This car is taking up room on your lot. This car is an embarrassment. You don't want it. And Jenna said it was just Terrible, but my brother was having the time of his life. Oh and so, my well, gosh! Yeah, so she got to go have margaritas, and then at the end, she got a nice new car. Um, but like just thinking about that makes me want to crawl under a desk and yes. die. So, so how about you? Do you like buying new cars and do you like
0: haggling? Okay, I'll just speak to the haggling. I feel exactly the same way. There is something so profoundly uncomfortable to me about the face-to-face, um, like poker face like gamesmanship that is profoundly uncomfortable. And I've learned a lot from you about negotiating in business. And a lot of what we do is more long form conversations. And a lot of it's by email or like, it's just different. There's something about that that feels so cringy. Um, I haven't really had to do a lot of it, but I've, I've, Been there for part of it. Um, I I would say Brian and I have kind of done it together a few times. I actually have not been in a dealer to buy a car in nine years because when we did that, the second Toyota Sienna trade-in, it was like it happened really fast and mostly over the phone. So, um, and it was through the same dealership. So I haven't been into a dealership to buy a car in nine years. I realized, which is a long time, but I will say we're a fifty percent Tesla family now. Brian drives a Tesla. And the Tesla ordering process is totally different. It's like ordering anything else that you would order online. Like you go online, you pick your specs and your colors. And I, I don't know. I, I could have some of the details wrong, but it is nothing like the traditional car buying experience. And maybe that's where I mean Tesla's a pretty forward thinking company. Yeah, maybe not that's not just where it's the going. <laughs> Maybe that is where it's going. And I I I don't know a lot about like the used car like websites, you know, like the CarMax and like the um where yeah. you can find I, I have friends who've bought cars that way, but maybe there's a way to avoid that super awkward haggling. But no, I don't enjoy that either.
1: A lot of dealerships now pride themselves on not doing it that way anymore. Like basically like, you know, awkwardness free. Um uh, right. like it's just more clear. There's no gaming involved. Yeah. And I think you're right that it's the immediacy. Like I could throw out a price and they could laugh or they could right. be mad. Like it's just something about it because it's all happening in real time, right in person. And there's a game I don't understand Yeah, underneath it all. It makes it really uncomfortable. It reminds me a few years ago, I listened to in all things, not all things considered, uh, let's see. I glass show, um, uh, this American well, life,
0: this American life. Yeah.
1: There was a, this American life episode about buying used cars. I'm going to dig it up and and we should put it in the show notes because it really, it sh- it showcases all the behind the scenes reasons why dealerships might make deals on certain days of the month and not others oh wow, it has a lot to do with the um with the car manufacturers and they're they're like um what's the word I'm looking for where they get like where they give you like a they would give them a special deal like you know you know what I mean like a, rebate? Like a like a like a rebate and other kinds of incentives yes there's mm-hmm. all kinds of incentives, and the dealership as a whole and each individual salesman, salesperson, they're all sort of like linked up in these incentives and they have Mm -hmm. to make them all match up. And it's very complicated, but it was fascinating. So it did make me feel like if I had to go and do it again, I'd be a little more armed with information. And it was also just really entertaining, but it's just giving me like the heebie-jeebies. I know. Yeah. The pricklies, as my sister calls it, (laughs) when you feel uncomfortable, Um, I'm getting the pricklies just thinking about it. Oh, I love it. (laughs) All right. Well, I have one more question. And this was just kind of a silly one. Um, kind of a fun little silly one. And that is, I'll let you go first on this one, Sarah. Do you have, do you see a time of your life where you would drive some kind of like alternate vehicle? Like maybe you wouldn't drive a car at all, but you'd have a bicycle or you would drive an old bus or like hashtag van life or a motorcycle, anything like that.
0: You know, I had never thought about it, so your question made me think. And I'm not going to say no, but I can't think of anything right now that is like, oh, that would be amazing. Um, but this is not exactly what you're asking, but I do think that we're on our way to being more of an electric vehicle family. Like alternative energy stuff has just long been an interest of Brian's and we've done a solar roof and we're doing another solar roof and Brian drives an electric car and I feel like probably my next car will be in that that Electric vein of car. Mm -hmm. I don't. That's not really what you're asking, but I. It is a shift. It's alternative,
1: right? Yeah, from what we're used to and what Mm -hmm. you assume is the way things are. So I think that totally counts. Um. So so you know, I mentioned in our like a recent episode that I totally could see myself traveling across the country like in a bus or a van or something. I did watch Nomadland. And I can't remember if it was like on Instagram, someone said. Yeah, I think said. someone
0: said, you need to watch it. And I, I even thought, oh, she needs to watch that when we were talking. But I think we were like running really, we low really on time, long. I So I, just I know. didn't say anything. So I
1: did. I took that piece of advice and watched it right away. I thought it was fascinating. It was very like, um, well, Francis McDormand is amazing. And, yes. and it's it was just really good and interesting. Just not what I was expecting exactly, but it was yeah, really, really it good. Feels like it feels showed... like
0: watching a documentary almost. But it's, yes. it's not. But it has so that feeling. Fine.
1: Yeah, and some beautiful scenery, but also some really chilling parts about like just I don't know, the state of like being a worker, like yeah. especially like the way she was working and stuff like. That. Anyway, yeah. just check it out. Um I would totally ride on a motorcycle. I actually really like being on the back of a motorcycle. Have no desire to ever drive a motorcycle. I don't mm-hmm. maybe that'll change in my life. And then bicycles, I have long thought I would love to be somebody who could truly get around on a bike for most of my, like for most of my needs. And Mm -hmm. I think it's just a mix of me having to be in the right place in life, have the right bike, the right Mm -hmm. setup, be fit enough. And I don't mean fit, like just fit enough at riding bicycles, which is a different kind of fitness than walking or running or anything else like that. Like, I feel like if I could set my life up just right for it, I would totally do it because I really like walking. I really like getting around on feet and I don't particularly love driving. So yeah. I think it could totally work if all the pieces fell into place. So I'll just are leave there that. Are there a lot of
0: electric bicycles, like the bicycles that are yeah, motorized, that aren't about. they're not motorcycles? I feel like uh, either I've been asleep at the wheel, haha, or they are really yeah. becoming a big thing out here. They I just are. see they so much more They are suddenly a
1: big thing. They are suddenly a very big thing. They're not cheap, though. And so it's like you you really have to be buying into that as like a like a lifestyle, basically, okay. And living in a place where there's snow on the ground and also right. the town that we're in, it is, in some ways, it seems like it would be super bike accessible, but we don't have great bike lanes on the roads where it matters. Like mm-hmm. we've got bike lanes on the streets that are scenic, but they, we don't have great bike access to the places you need to go yeah. on a bike. Um, so that makes it tricky because like, well, if I wanted to go grocery shopping, for example, yeah, I can get a basket or like one of those little things on the back or whatever, but then how do I get to the grocery store? <laughs> like, right. That's a, uh, that's a question. I think that will, that will. And so that, that wouldn't be solved by an electric bike because it would just be another way to be unsafe
0: yeah. on my bike, you know? Yeah. yeah, Um,
1: but I think it would help with things like fatigue. If I was yeah. wanting to just go for a nice long ride, and I wanted to only pedal some of the time. So it's definitely something I've, it's on my list of things to think about. And I feel like they've been around forever, but you're right. Like suddenly they're,
0: yeah, thing, I just like noticed them more now. And I don't think I even really understood what they were before, yeah. but I met someone recently who she's told me she bikes to work and I knew where she worked. And I was like, that's really what? far. And then I realized like what she meant. It's just kind of a it's like a different subset of vehicle that's not quite yeah. a bicycle and it's not quite a motorcycle. And yeah. Yeah, and so. it's not
1: like a dirt bike. It's not like a right. scooter. Um, it's you can pedal, but I believe yes. then you can also just have the electric take over, which is smart because you know, sometimes you just need to rest. And like, if that's the, if that's the thing that gets in the way of like knowing you have to pedal up a really long hill to get to work, say, is the thing that gets in the way of you riding your bike to work and all those benefits, like Mm -hmm. how great to have that eliminated. I think it's really smart. And I have thought about looking into it um, more closely. I would just really need a plan. I would need to like restructure my life in a way that makes sense, which is not to say I wouldn't do it. I just haven't done it yet. So, yeah. Well, this has been really fun. Um... we, it has been, and I, I'm glad we finally covered this topic in, you know, six years of us talking about everything. We spend a lot of time in our cars. We vox each other from our cars a lot,
0: so. Yes, we do, but not through my Bluetooth, because I do not yeah. like the way my Bluetooth sounds over Voxer.
1: And I try to um, remember to
0: turn mine off, but sometimes I forget. I <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, uh, Mother's Day is a week from today, and if that sentence makes you feel, it gives you the pricklies, if you are feeling yes. kind of conflicted about <laughs> Mother's Day this year, or you just have thoughts and feelings that's what we're going to be discussing on Tuesday so come back with us on Tuesday we're going to be talking all about kind of the complicated parts of Mother's Day um and just validating that and maybe maybe offering some ideas for how you can make Mother's Day any year the way you want it to be um so we that will be fun and we will talk to everybody on Tuesday
1: looking forward to it talk to you then
0: Hey everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening, and left the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hour's show listing. So, not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole. And then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much.